I am Brad Levitt, host and founder of A Finer Touch Construction, and we are super excited to bring this amazing guest list to you of people that specialize in business, marketing, social media, entrepreneurship, and most of all, how to build a great company. AFT is a local commercial and residential general contractor located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we are continuously seeking ways to bring value to our industry clients and network. Please subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Our guest today is Matt Reisinger, and we're very fortunate to bring on Matt. For those of you that are in the building industry, uh, have seen Matt, and for those of you that are not in the building industry, I'm sure you'll gain a lot from this episode. Matt has done a phenomenal job in marketing, branding, social media, building his YouTube channel. He now has his own Netflix for builders, his own website that's video content. He's really revolutionized the contractor space uh, to help build and, and create excitement in our industry, better techniques on how to build and, and, and be a better business owner. And is continually putting out amazing content for those that follow. Just endless information in regard to building science, company culture, business. And the reason we brought him on is he really shared some insight um, how we can communicate with clients, how we can better position our business to be successful. You know, the importance of being an effective CEO and how we train our staff and delegate to them and empower them. Uh, how we build, you know, become a thought leader in our industry and how through the those channels and through that dedication, how it can open up additional doors and opportunities for your company. And then thinking about exit strategy. And a little background on Matt, he started learning about construction by working summers at an inner city ministry that fixed up row houses for elderly people who owned their homes but couldn't afford to maintain them. He got a Bachelor of Science in Industrial Management from Grove City College and wanted to work for Toyota as he was fascinated with all things from Japan. He ended up working for one of the national production builders, Ryan Holmes, after college where he met his wife in Washington, D.C. His seven years with that mega builder was really fun but didn't satisfy his desire for craftsmanship as he was building insanely fast houses. He moved to Portland in 2002 and it was during the national mold crisis that led him to the path of building science. He wanted to learn why these houses were failing and learning everything about the science behind construction has been his passion ever since. His wife and himself, they moved to Austin, Texas in 2005 and he finally started his own building company working exclusively with architects. His small company has grown to 27 people and he is known nationally for his expertise in building science, especially in the a hot humid climate of Austin. His blog started out of frustration with the void of good building science and best practice methods for the hot and humid South, and partly to satisfy his childhood dream of hosting this old house. He's written several articles for Fine Home Building and the Journal of Light Construction, and his blog is now seen on those websites as well as Custom Home Magazine. He has also grown a tremendous following on YouTube and is the original contributor to the Build Show Network, which is a group of like-minded professionals to showcase best building practices on their website. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Sub-Zero Group Southwest, here in Scottsdale. So if you're starting a new kitchen project, the Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom is the place to start. It provides an immersive environment to help you realize the possibilities of your future kitchen. Discover what it may feel like, look like, taste like, all in an exploratory, no-pressure showroom. No matter who you are, consumer, owner, or member of the trade community, the showroom is ready to assist you throughout the entire project. I visit the Sub-Zero Wolf & Co. showroom in North Scottsdale quite often. In fact, it's just a few blocks here from my office, so it's the perfect place to meet with my clients and the designer on the project. When we arrive, we meet with a showroom consultant whose sole focus is catering the visit to our needs. They seek to understand what products may be best suited for the client 
and then explain and demonstrate special features and functionality. We can browse the complete line of Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove appliances and then view them in beautifully designed vignettes, helping my clients envision how the appliance might look like in their home. The best part is that the consumers can interact with the products, turn the knobs, open the drawers, and ignite the flames, discovering the best fit for them. With the help of the showroom consultant, each visit is truly unique to the client. The relationship with the showroom does not end with the appliance selection process. Throughout the entire project, the showroom team is there to provide helpful solutions and offer advice and assistance. After appliances are installed, owners can expect a lifetime of support and helpful resources. The Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove showroom is the perfect place to start, experience, and bring your vision to life. Schedule an appointment at your nearest showroom by visiting www.subzero-wolf.com backslash showroom. So welcome today to Construction Podcast today. I'm your host, Brad Levitt, and we are fortunate to bring on Matt Reisinger with us today. So welcome, Matt. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, and Matt is, he's a builder in Austin, Texas. Most of you know Matt. He has his own YouTube channel, and he is also the OG contributor to the Build Show. (laughs) The original gold. If you're over the age of 40, you got the joke. If you're under the age of 30, you probably don't know what that means. (laughs) Oh, well, Matt, you know, it's funny because, you know, I've been fortunate to have met you. You know, I follow a lot of the content you're putting out there, which is amazing for our listeners. And and I know you've heard this so many times, you know, we can't thank you enough for everything you're doing for the industry and, you know, the content you put out there that's relentless. I want to dive into just a little bit about some of the benefits that you've received from that. But, you know, one thing I want to ask, you know, there's a fine line in regard to our client's budget and expectations, right? In contrast mm-hmm. to an amazing design that integrates building science. You know, this is the the tough thing we all deal with. So how do you educate your client, you know, to understand the value of a well-engineered home as opposed to, hey, Matt, I want this kitchen with this beautiful, you know, $20,000 range in these, you know, uh, hand-stained cabinets. You know, how, how are you educating your clients? You know, Brad, the tack that I've taken is to first kind of pre-educate, which means that I'm actually out. I've been on YouTube now for a dozen years talking to people about the value of a better built house. And uh, I don't often talk about the pretty side of a house. I usually talk about the things that aren't seen later in a house or are hidden behind the scenes, you know, whether that's a really well air sealed envelope. Uh, thick insulation, a good HVAC system with good filtration. Uh, All these things contribute to a house that's going to be healthy, durable, efficient, comfortable for the the clients. And by now a history of 12 years of working on YouTube, I've I've gained this reputation for uh, building a good house and having some special knowledge for how a well-built house is put together such that my referrals mainly come from architects in my market. Uh, Brad, you've done an incredible job of, uh, uh, I'll toot your, own, your horn for a minute. I, I got to know you maybe three, four years ago on Instagram when you maybe had 20, 30,000 uh, followers. Uh, and I know for sure that you're getting direct clients, we've talked about this before, that are following you for six months, a year, three years on Instagram. They're seeing your beautiful projects. They're seeing your personality because in the weekends you post some pictures from the kids' soccer game. Yeah. And people like you and trust you. And that's what YouTube's done for me as well is before they meet me, they've seen a couple of videos or they've seen 100 videos. It doesn't really matter. But they already know that I'm smart. 
and they have some amount of trust and like for me before we even go into the very first meeting to talk about our build. And man, that puts me a big leg ahead of a lot of my competitors. Uh, it doesn't necessarily guarantee I win the job and we build a passive house uh, instead of uh, putting that $20,000 range in. But it does mean that I've got the ability to talk about a well-built house. And it also means that I've got kind of my base house that I believe is a well-built house that I won't build below. And it just costs this certain amount to get in the door with me. And some clients could care less about that and just let me do what I want. Other clients come to me specifically because of that. Uh, and so it's, it's an interesting balance. Five, 10 years ago, I hardly got anybody who would come to me uh, before an architect referred me. And today, now I've got clients like one I met with this morning that uh, we were able to go, hey, here's three architects. Why don't you interview these three? And we're now referring business back to architects for projects that are significant, that have good budgets for clients who want a really well-built and well-designed house. And that's that's really been fun for me. I probably over-answered the question, but did, no. did, I get to, uh, did I get to it? No, that's perfect. And the funny thing is, Matt, we're going to dive into this because you kind of tee this up and I'm going to put this off to the side for a second because I want to, you know, there's so many questions to ask on your comment. But, you know, when you're on the Unbuilder podcast, I listened to that with Steve Basic and um, and Jake and everyone, you know, and you had talked about in depth, which really intrigued me, you know, the personality and the relationship where people feel that they know you through video content. And that really staged your career that we'll get into. But going back to this conversation, so it sounds as if you know, for anyone that's building their company, and it doesn't matter if you're a small business, a contractor, designer, architect, there's an advantage to putting content out there and, and preaching your message, whatever it be. And for you, Matt, it's been a better built house, you know, healthy living, you know, air, you know, how are we design our HVAC system, our advanced framing? How are we keeping this home healthy for our people? So what ends up happening is you're preaching this message, you're showcasing it, you're you're catering your company that. So you start to build a cult following, if you will. People that say, hey, mm -hmm. I'm in Austin. I want Matt to build my house. And now it's opened up additional doors where they're coming to you first and you have the opportunity to put that team together. Yep. Yep. And it's been it's been wonderful. And, and you've done the same thing, Brad, maybe just a different medium. Uh, I know you're on YouTube now, but uh, and you're podcasting. Uh, but you started, I think, with Instagram. I mean, that's certainly how I got to know you. And you've got a huge following of people that are interested in what you do. And you do all kinds of interesting, beautiful projects. But you also talk about the performance. Like you and I shot, uh, actually, you weren't there, but I shot some video with your guys, I should say, uh, at an incredibly well-built uh, ICF house uh, in the desert in a gorgeous canyon setting that's going to be beautiful. But of course, I'm always most interested in what's kind of behind the scenes. So I got to tour that at a, at a perfect time. You had some Fox blocks. Uh, your guys gave me a great tour and were super knowledgeable. So you've done a great job as, as the business owner, but also the face of the company, the mascot, so to speak, uh, of getting out there and repping the brand. And you put yourself out there, and I guarantee you, you've uh, seen some nasty comments or people who are like, oh, you're just a... You know, you're just building these pretty houses. They're not well built or whatever your comments have been that have been nasty. But yet you get out there on a daily and a weekly basis and say, here's what we're doing and here's why we do it. And uh, and I'm willing to bet you've seen some great rewards for that. And I bet you're going to see the same thing on this podcast as this develops over time. I'm, I'm already seeing you promoted in a bunch of places. And how long you've been doing this now? 
Yeah, so it's been six months. It's been fun, but you know, I've been fortunate to, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, social media is a connector, right? So I found that it it really makes our market small. And it's done a few things. It's allowed, you know, for anyone listening that hasn't upped their social media game, th- there's a few advantages. One, you know, we're kind of getting into just advantages of business development and personality mm-hmm. and, you know, that lead generation. But even more so, I've found it's made me a better builder, right? I'm following you, Matt. I'm following your YouTube channel, like learning an incredible amount of information. I get connected to Steve Basic. We're doing a project with him, Mark La Liberté, and his mm-hmm. building science. And a big thanks to you for helping make that transition happen and that you know now we're going to be doing this net zero home so i'm hoping that awesome. you know despite covid that we can get you back to phoenix and do some videos because we're going to be doing some For amazing sure. stuff but it, but it's funny because um what i found and, and you touched on this is that we've gotten into icf we've gotten into you know more net zero and we've gotten into more energy efficient and that's great and what i found is that a lot of my customers are following us on one of these social media channels whether it be linkedin or instagram and what's happening is they're asking questions. Hey, Brad, is my house going to be ICF or is it wood frame? Talk to me. You know, we do a blog on it. So that information is getting out there. And now I've found that even though these customers do want that Pinterest savvy or house savvy picture with this amazing design, they're thinking sustainability, carbon footprint, energy efficiency. And that's also becoming a priority for them. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think more and more, COVID has even shown us that people are interested in uh, indoor air quality and health. Uh, They just didn't know they were interested in it until you start talking about it. And then all of a sudden they realize, oh, yeah, actually, that is a big deal. How many hours a day am I in my house Uh, pre-COVID or post-COVID? And we spent an incredible amount of time indoors. Shouldn't we take a little bit of time to think about uh, our fresh air system, our filtration uh, our envelope on our houses. And yes, I'm willing to pay more for a builder who thinks about that and does it right. So let me let me ask you this, Matt, because this is the one thing I've struggled with in the past. So, you know, I was fortunate that through social media, again, this connector, right? There's uh, a gentleman, he was actually on my first podcast. So Aaron is a building science guru, right? And he said, Brad, I want to do, you know, um, an architectural symposium. And so I got a lot of the architects in town he did a symposium, a presentation on building science, you know, on, you know, advanced framing, right? Let's frame 24 inches on center. You know, let's look at, you know, our overhangs and, and window coverage, especially in the desert where it's hot. You know, how do we think through design and mechanical design to be efficient, healthy? And how do we hit these high levels, you know, of being off the grid, if you will, with solar power? What I found, though, it's it's difficult where these architects and engineers have a pattern, They have a history of their standard details they've built over the years and they kind of fall into that same pattern like we do the install ones who are trying to say hey we want to do net zero we want to get into this and they don't understand it so how are you educating or your architects and engineers or are you fortunate just to partner with ones that already get that science yeah that's a good question it's ultimately both brad so for instance my engineer that i use the most is a a local company called positive energy they also have a great podcast if you're a podcast listener uh, called the building science podcast ultra nerdy (laughs) nothing but uh super nerdy topics about hvac and uh building science those guys have been around in austin since around the time i started my business so they do all my manual j's they do all my mechanical designs now they're doing envelope consulting They're an amazing resource, and I try and get them on every single job. So I end up doing uh, probably 80, 90% of my builds with them as the mechanical HVAC 
uh, now plumbing uh, MEP engineer. And so they do an amazing job. But the architects we work with, some of them have little building science knowledge. Some of them, like Steve Basic, uh, have huge amounts of knowledge. And so that's our job as a, as a builder uh, to come in and make sure that the building is going to perform well. And ultimately, frankly, that's a lot of self-preservation. Uh, you know as well as I do, this is a risky business. Uh, most of your clients and my clients are fairly well off and have the means that if there's a problem to uh, to hire somebody to go after you. <laughs> right. And so we need to do everything we can to make sure that not only are we staying out of trouble, but we're keeping them out of trouble, which ultimately keeps us out of trouble. I'll give you a quick, for instance, I built a house real early in my Austin career, um, maybe 12, 13, 14 years ago now, uh, where it was my first flat roof house. I'd never built a flat roof before. Uh, and I apologize if you heard this story before I use this occasionally, but I, I had this swagger about waterproofing, like, oh, I totally know what I'm doing. I built in Portland, Oregon prior. I got it. You know, I'm using all the best methods. You know, we're doing sill pans under all our windows. I got this. So here I get my first flat roof house. And this was during uh, the recession of 07, 08. And uh, the client said, hey, we want to get three bids in every category. We want to review it, make sure we're taking the lowest bid. I'm a new contractor. I didn't know many people in town. My first flat roof, I didn't know what I didn't know. I hired the low bidder. Well, it turns out it was his first flat roof, too. He goes out of business. He made all of my scuppers wrong on the entire building. I didn't know any better. They were cocked metal scuppers. You're probably cringing over there, Brad, mm -hmm. at your seat as we speak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you can guess how long the cock lasts before the scuppers leaked. Yeah. Uh, you know, his truck had left and they were fine. And then about, you know, six months later, we started having leaks. It only got worse. And here I am like, Every time it rains, I've got an email from the client. Hey, we got another leak in a different part of the house. It was it was terrible. I mean, I just I had a hard time sleeping anytime I knew rain was in the forecast. I'd go over there and cock it and touch it up. The long and short of it is I finally had to rip the roof off, pay for it myself. That roofer was out of business. He had no insurance. It cost me 30 grand. I'm so thankful those clients never once threatened to sue me. They were wonderful people. Uh, and I paid 30 grand out of my pocket. I had to put a whole new roof on it. I had to rip up a foot around the stucco where the roof hit the parapets and where the house hit the, uh, flat roofs, redo everything. It was a mess. I learned a valuable lesson though, that low bidder, uh, and that system that I hadn't done before really bit me hard. Plus it was a house that had no forgiveness with a flat roof, right? We didn't have this pitched roof with an overhang to put a big umbrella on the house. And fast forward 12 years, uh, that client is now doing a $3 million rebuild with me because I, uh, you know, had the integrity to take care of the problem. And so I'm getting my 30 grand back that I invested uh, 10 years ago in that roof. And I, but I've learned a lot and, and it's made me go, all right, if we're going to do these roofs, we better use the best contractors, the best method, the best methods, the best products. Uh, and I've been thinking more and more about doing a, a video about uh, kind of risk and risk assessment based on different types of architecture. Uh, you know, a, a flat roof house is pretty dependent on really good products and really good workmanship. Um, but even with the best products and the best workmanship, you know, as well as I do, a flat roof house has less of a lifespan than a pitched roof 
And when you have a problem, it's usually a pretty decent sized problem. So, you know, I'm building these super expensive houses with flat roofs. Well, in 20 years, if no one maintains it, if we don't recoat the roof, they're going to have problems. And so I need, I need to spend more time um, with my clients and architects talking about those issues and making sure that we're all in agreement uh, with that. And that's okay that we're going to need to replace this roof in 15 or 20 years. Well, it's interesting. That's a good, I mean, yeah, well, took Matt, a hard funny. left there. Sorry. No, that's perfect. It's funny because even with that, there's there's so many tangents here. So one that, you know, we'll, we'll go through quickly. So you talked about how there's an investment, there's integrity, you know, there's issues that happen, which we all do with the warranty, but by through customer service, through communication, through doing what's right, you know, that's going to lead to future business. Right. Um, but, but then there's other two parts of this. And I'd love to, if you would do a video on the risk assessment, because I think a lot of us don't think about this enough when we're bidding jobs and we're speaking to the client. A lot of us want to win the job. It's a trophy home, a great home. We want to be on the project and we're not thinking cause and effect, because as you pointed out, if you're doing a modern home, flat roof, you know, low overhangs, you know, I have full floor to ceiling windows, a lot of glass. How do you flash that? Right. How do we, you know, how do we keep water out? We're water uh, in, in Arizona. We have monsoon season. We get this driving horizontal rain smashing yep. into the side of the house because it's so windy with the monsoons. So, and we don't get a lot of rain as you well know in Phoenix, but when it comes, it comes and it hits hard. So how do we, you know, manage that? And, and, and part of the challenge that I've seen and I'd like to understand kind of your thought on this is over time, you know, as we run our business, we're going to be better versed to communicate with our clients because when you're early on, Hey, Matt, I want three bids. I want you to take the cheapest bid. And how do you educate the client to say, okay, I understand here's our three bids, but let me consult you. Here's what I know about these companies. Here's what I understand about their install and their protocol and their scope, or maybe we help the trades write their scope. So the brand. Mm -hmm do their scope correctly now that you understand this a little bit better, but how do you educate your client to say it's not always the cheapest price? You know, how are you communicating out with the client? Well, one of the things I do pretty early on, Brad, is, is, uh, I've changed my bidding in that I don't give bids and I don't take bids. Uh, if a client wants me to be part of a bidding process, uh, I tell them, look, we, we don't participate in that unless you pay us. Uh, we're always hired under pre-construction. We typically ask for a $15,000 deposit on our time uh, and we'll apply that towards uh, the estimating and towards the bidding process and, and through the pre-construction process. And when we run out, we'll ask for more. Um, but if you want me to be a part of three bidders, it's, you know, I'm happy to do that, but you're going to have to pay me for my time because, uh, as you know, it takes hundreds of hours to put a proper bid together in a house. Now, I will give you a ballpark estimate for free. I just sent one out to a client yesterday. Uh, it took us a couple of hours. I probably could have done it faster. It's a cool job. I'm hoping we'll get hired on pre-construction, but I wanted to give them a range. And this was an expensive house. It was uh, between, uh, you know, a, I don't want to say the numbers, uh, but it was between a, a healthy number and an even more healthy number. <laughs> but I wanted to make sure that they knew um, that there was a range. And, and I also made sure to say, look, you could definitely go higher than that. But I don't think it can be built by my team to my standards for less than this. Well, I love uh, you said that. And if I interrupt you, Matt, what's what's amazing, and, I, and, and I've picked up on this through social media, and it's funny you said that because you and I have never spoken about this. But what I've heard over and over is, you know, as we're a business owner, and it doesn't matter if you're a design, architect, builder again, right? Our time is valuable. And what happens is 
I've, I've found the same thing. I spend so much time bidding these custom homes. There's so much work involved. So if you're going to them saying, hey, if, if, if you want three bidders, the only value you have is price. That's it, mm -hmm. right? And yep. there's a lot more that I offer, my firm offers than price, right? And we could go yep. into all those little things such as your firm. And it's really important that we have the same protocol. And it took me six years to figure this out. And as of two years ago, now when a client says, hey, Brad, you're one of three bidders, hold on, here's our process, let's vet you. I could give you a quick ballpark as you've done. And so you've essentially mastered that and I'm sure that's changed your business and allowed you to For not sure. be inefficient. Yeah, but to, to, to circle back on that then, Brad, I also then don't bid out phases of work that I feel like are critical to the build. So for instance, framing and waterproofing, the flashings, uh, all the things that ultimately make the house waterproof, I typically have one or two trusted subs and I don't bid it and I'm not going to tell them we're going to get three bids for that. So when it comes so are to you setting the expectation then, so if I'm client and you're like, and I'm like, Matt, build my house. And then we kind of go through the budget, but you say, you're telling me, Hey Brad, just so we're clear, if this is a cost plus here's category ABCD that I'm getting one bid and here's why. That's right. And, and a lot of times I'll even tell them, look, we won't even bid it. Uh, I've got a guy that gives me a day or a week rate. We're going to plug in our historic number. So for instance, for me, frame, my framer not only frames my house, but does all of my uh, waterproofing, window install, flashings, uh, base wall flashing, air sealing details. He's a your really framers key. doing that, even your windows. Wow. Yeah. He's a key guy for me. He has two crews. Uh, some of these guys have been on the cruise for the you know, 10, 12 years uh, I've known him. He does all my work. We negotiate uh, annually for his rate for that year. Uh, I have lots of historic data for how much he costs and how long it's going to take. His guys, we were just talking about them in a meeting a minute ago. We had a COVID meeting about some new regulations the city's given us on COVID. Uh, and some of them are, you know, pretty pain in the butt stuff we got to do. And one of my, uh, my guy who's my VP of construction was talking to the crew today. And they're like, you know what? We're Mexicans, not Mexicans. You tell us what to do, we'll make it happen. And, and it's funny that, that they use that phrasing. But the point is, they're guys who, who say, look, you need us to do it that way. We're going to do it that way. Uh, they don't complain. They don't, uh, they don't fart around. When we go to the job site, they're never on their phone looking at Facebook. They're not lollygagging. This is, this is a team of about a little more than a dozen guys. The man, they freaking get after it, Brad. You know, they start at 7 a.m. Uh, and they take a break in the mid-morning and they take a break at lunch. And other than that, they are on it. And when I've got stupid details, whether it's tapes or flashings or things that we like, they patiently listen to me and then they go out and do it. And then most of the time we reuse those same methods and materials from job to job. Uh, and as a result, my guys are really, really good at it. And now I don't have to be at every job site every day. You know, I, there's some jobs where I go every two weeks uh, and that does, and I'm OK with that because I've got a project manager who's there every day, but I don't have to be there babysitting. It's the same guys doing the same work, doing it really well. And then they don't bid as the other benefit. Then uh, they get paid for the work that they do. That's interesting. And, I, you know, now that you said that's kind of sparked my interest in this, because there's a lot of advantages. You've, you spoke about risk assessment. How are we communicating that? Because. It's really important that we deliver goods to our customer and we're, you know, we execute their vision and design, but at the same time, we have to protect ourselves and them from issues we've all had in business, right? Especially in construction. And, yep. and so to solve that, what you've done is say, okay, I've trained 
this crew, they understand flashing, window install, framing, and you set that expectation, let the client know, hey, look, when it comes to, you know, wood flooring install, when it comes to electrical, you know, some of these things that, you know, I, I can get through, yes, we can bid those out, but there's some core things that we're going to stick to. And, and I can relate in a way, I mean, for me, we're getting into a lot of hillside work. We've been doing a lot and more now. And you can get into a lot of trouble, you know, if you don't have the right people that understand the right masons, the right excavators, the right compaction. You know, these are complicated hillsides with retaining walls. And if we don't have the right people that understand hillside construction, it puts us in a very large predicament that at the end of the day could create substantial issues for our company. So really, you're just monitoring that. Well, ultimately, bidding is is uh, uh, some type of budget management, but it's a transferring of risk. You're saying to this this subcontractor, look, I need a hard bid from you that I'm going to hold you to. You're going to hold all the risk. How how much do I trust you? Uh, and how much am I going to hold your feet to the fire and make sure that you do what I want, whether what I want is written down or not? And I can think of some fantastic subs over the years that have gone out of business because uh, they had the integrity to keep doing it, even though they weren't being paid anymore. And the GC is saying, hey, you owe me this, this and this, whether it's written or not. Uh, and, you know, I hold all the cards. And by the way, I'll take you down if you don't do this. So, you know, ultimately, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a transfer of risk from one person to the next. It's a little bit of a mistrust between people and, hey, what level of dishonest are you as a contractor? You know, are you the really dishonest or the slightly dishonest ones? And in building, we need to have trust. You know, our clients need to trust us as their builder. We need to trust our subcontractors. And for me, I've found uh, a, a really key sub to my business who does a really key thing, which is waterproofing and framing. I trust him. He trusts me. Uh, I'm, I'm saying, look, I'm not going to transfer this risk to you. Plus I, plus if you do transfer that risk, things get busy. Those subs are going to love to, instead of putting a 10%, uh, risk, uh, you know, margin on the job, they're going to put a 20 or 30% risk margin, which ultimately you as the GC and your clients as the paying client pay for. Why not say, look, there's, there's no risk to you. You make a mistake. I'll pay for it. Uh, you get out there and work hard for me. And if you continue to work hard for me, I'm going to have multiple jobs for you. And, and it's a, you know, it's a little bit of a marriage and, uh, it's been a good one for me. Yeah. I love that, Matt. And what's interesting, I mean, getting into the risk analysis, when, when we think about this as customers, you know, some markets are cost plus, some are GMP, some are hybrid, some are both, you know, and so really the communication with the client is it's risk analysis. Okay. On a cost mm -hmm. plus you as the owner, you're going to be taking the risk. Yeah. You're going to see my costs, we're going to agree on a percentage, but in essence, if, if lumber spikes, if, you know, concrete has a price increase, you're, you're bearing that risk, but a GMP, I am, you know, so it's how we educate the client. But what's interesting, Matt, my question for you is, okay, going back to the cost of the house and energy efficiency. Okay. There's normal standards that builders are building to, and then there's the mat standard. Okay. So mm -hmm. if I'm the client coming, okay, Matt, I have this flat lot you know, 5,000 square foot house, single story, it's going to be modern, you know, da, 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 da. And, you know, other GCs are telling me that I could build this at X dollars a square foot. Like, what's your price? Because I would assume that you're saying, well, there's a percentage, right? Yeah, if this home was built at a standard level, you're going to be X dollars a foot. But if, I, if I'm if i putting the matte stamp on this, I'm doing my framing, my waterproofing, mechanical design, 
Is there a 10%, 20%? How are you conveying that to help the customer understand the benefit of why someone may be 400 a foot and you're 475? Yeah, it's probably more than that, but, uh, right. but just uh, hopefully my clients that. aren't listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, know, I just throw that out there, but yeah. We're probably a solid 20, 25% more would be my guess mm-hmm. um, than the market price for whatever. But So it's not far, uh, 400 to you know 480 to 500. I mean, you're probably somewhere in there if, if 400 is your benchmark. Probably. Um, but, you know, it's a myriad of things, Brad. And, and so what what I tell clients as I'm in that sales process is there's a there's a bunch of things that are going to benefit you day one. Uh, you know, healthier indoor air is a non tangible that will benefit you on day one. Uh, a more comfortable house uh, will benefit you on day one. And many of these could not be retrofitted if done improperly from the get go. You know, you put a bad HVAC system in that. Uh, isn't properly balanced, uh, isn't installed right, has ducts out of the conditioned space into a hot vented attic. It's really hard to retrofit that. So you make some mistakes that are fundamental mistakes at the beginning. It's not like you can go back and pull those out. Um, But then there's some other things that will benefit you long-term. And one of the benefits long-term that that I sell is, look, when you resell this house uh, in the first line on the real estate listings, there's going to be two things that realtors in town are going to say who the architect was and who the builder was. And when you have this architect and often we're working with architects that have a good reputation, their houses command more per square foot than the house next door, which was done uh, by, uh, you know, houseplans.com or some other generic house plan. People in this town understand and get well-designed and will pay more for it. The other thing that this town does get is uh, they understand that there are builders that build better. And when my name is listed on the resale, people take notice because they understand that the house was built better. Uh, And more and more, we're getting clients who come to us and go, you know, there just aren't any resale houses that are worth buying. These are junk. They're built poorly. They have bad indoor air quality. My kid has mold or asthma issues. I need a really well-built house and I want you guys to do it. Uh, And that's, that's confirmation to me that we're going the right direction. And when it comes to dollars per square foot, it's really, really hard to justify a new build uh, when people are thinking about resale prices in a neighborhood, even if it's an expensive neighborhood. Because as you know, Brad, cost of construction has gone up. Yep, absolutely. Uh, But there's always going to be a premium uh, that people are willing to pay uh, for something new. Here's a Kind of a side note, but my wife and I are in, in the uh, market for a travel trailer. Uh, we want to take a three-week uh, kind of Grand Canyon National Parks trip next summer. And my wife and I have been having this discussion. Do we get a used one or do we get a new one? Do you want to be the first person who's used the toilet in that RV? Or do you want to <laughs> have one that you're not real sure what, where that thing's been over the last four or five years? Maybe even more so with COVID these days. Uh, and there's a certain premium to that house as well. And the other thing that's happening in our market all the time is people are buying very expensive houses and then going in and doing several hundred thousand or even million dollar remodels on a house that's three, five years old because it's just not their style doesn't suit them. And they have the money to do it. They want what they want. And so we're getting calls on these houses that are like, oh, it was built by a good builder, you know, four years ago. Someone else paid an absorbent amount of money for it. They want to rip the whole kitchen out. They want to totally change the windows and doors out to the back of the house where the pool is. 
They want to rip the pool out and do a new pool. They want to do whatever. So there is a certain amount of people want what they want, and you can only get that in new construction. Uh, well, I love um, Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, Brad, as I talk through this, I'm talking specifically to, to your builder friends and architect friends that are watching this. We need to continue to, to preach that a new house built with good design and good building standards is going to resale better than what the standard resale value of the neighborhood is because people will get that. And I think probably, Brad, you're garnering a reputation that uh, people are going to see AFT construction on the resale listing and people are going to go, oh, wow, I need to go check that out. He does great work. They're known for doing fabulous stuff that's also really well built. That's a good house. I want to go check that out. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're trying to do. And it's, you know, this is kind of going to lead this conversation to the social media part. But what I love, Matt, is that, you, you know, so sales pitches, you know, there's, I had a guest on a while ago, Delos, you know, the present Delos out of New York, you know, the healthy living where they're integrating water filtration and circadian cycles with lighting. And there, there's this health thing, especially with COVID now, you know, I have clients now that you alluded to, we were talking off air about, um, hey, Brad, if I'm stuck in my home, I want my cold plunge. I want my dry sauna. There's there's a health element to the dry sauna. You know, there's exercise equipment. You know, I want the healthy ventilation, the healthy air. And so by setting that standard that now, hey, this is Matt Reisinger, right, Bill? This is Architect X. You know, there's some credence there. There's some performance there. There's some knowledge. And the only way to do that is twofold. One, your message here that, hey, builders, designers, architects, make sure that we're not caving into just the dollar and square foot that we're actually holding true to, you know, a higher threshold here of building science, better built homes. And we're going to help the resale. We're going to help the customer with, you know, their, their investment. But the only way to do that, you have to build a presence, you know, and you talked about this on them build a podcast that, you know, you got on the YouTube train it, you know, this is something that's helped your business. So how have you seen your business change and, opportunities from Instagram, from YouTube and all the content, because it takes a lot of time. I know that you put a lot of time in this. I've done it. It's, there's a lot of time, but there's a lot of benefits. Mm -hmm. So, so so how have you seen that build your personality, your company and branding? Yeah, it's a great question, Brad. I mean, for you and I, it's a little bit of a, of a, uh, uh, a double-edged sword because your personal brand, Brad has been raised over the years with your work. But you also need your AFT brand to also, you know, rise because uh, you and I have a limited lifespan. Uh, <laughs> we also want to be able to spend three weeks on the road with your family on a travel trailer next summer. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, uh, social media has has hugely helped my personal brand uh, and my business brand. Uh, and but how do you do that? And, and sorry to interrupt you. And I know this no, is a question you can answer, but. You know, with Matt, okay, Matt has his personality. He has the Matt Reisinger brand, right? But then you have the build, you know, your build company in Austin. Mm -hmm. So how are you managing both the personal and the business side? Well, one thing I'm doing is I've stepped back uh, on the building side of the business from day-to-day -day management. And also, I've purposely stepped back from, from meeting with clients uh, often. I still meet with them occasionally. Uh, but from the very early in the, in the process, I'm talking to clients about how I've built a team of people that are dedicated to the ideals that I've set out for this company, such that I don't need to be at every job every day. 
to know that this house is being built well. I've trained my uh, my executives, I've trained my project managers, and most of my subs have been with me greater than 10 years, such that houses are being built right now across Austin to my standards without me having to be at the job site uh, and micromanage things. And, and people that are in a, a higher level position at a company get that. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's not a CEO out there who's trying to micromanage their uh, their frontline employees, and I'm I'm trying to do the same. Now, in my case, though, a lot of those frontline employees, whether that's the HVAC duct installer, or the electrician, uh, or the uh, you know the framer, those are still people that I see pretty regularly on job sites, and I do meet with them and talk with them about work, better practices, best practices, how to do things how we're gonna install this detail and do it right and make sure it's done well. Uh, but I'm not going to as many client meetings. So I've got a team of a couple of people that are managing the building side of my two businesses. Uh, and that allows me then to uh, continue on the, the production, the video production side of my business. Uh, and on that side of my company, I've divested in making sure that I have other people uh, who are just as smart as me shooting their version of the build show uh, they, that's now going on my network rather than just on YouTube. Uh, and that's my buildshownetwork.com. That's great. So what, what's really important that you said, you talked about that, you know, we're dedicated to ideals, right? That's the term you used. And you said it's training and systems. And I think the one mistake, well, not the one mistake, I think there's a lot I've made in my career, right? Like we all have. But what I found, people often ask, hey, Brad, what would you do different if you're starting AFT today, right? And, and, I think there's some simple things where it's easy, you know, Monday morning quarterback, hindsight's 2020. Hey, I'd go back, I'd market more. You know, I would really try to get understand my wheelhouse and target, you know, this market or this project. But I think the one crux of this and everything I've studied from entrepreneurship and any successful company or CEO, and you you said this, Matt, you said any good CEO, any good company, they're not micromanaging their front end people. And what I found is that it's the systems like, if you have systems in place, if there's protocol, if there's, um, you, you know, an SOP, uh, you know, a, a standard procedures that we have for our team from when a job lead comes in, how do we take that through the channel? How do we get through pre-construction? How do we get through bidding and contracting and coordination and purchasing and then development, right? As you define these, what happens is, is now your employees can be successful. They're empowered. They understand their role. And most people, no matter what level of skill they're at, they want to be able to understand their responsibility. We can't just take them to the end of the pier and kick them off to sink. They need to actually have structure. And that's what's alluded to. And, and, and so expand on that. I mean, how have you done that, Matt, where you're like, okay, I, I'm understanding. I'm doing the video content. I'm going to conferences. I'm getting this education. How do I get that education and those ideals now to my own employee base? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, the big one of the big things I've done is I've made sure that I've been good at delegating uh, and saying to um, the people that that I've hired as executives to say, "Look, this is your this is your wheelhouse. This is your silo. You handle this. Uh, here's how we've done it in the past. Here's the procedures and systems we have in place. I'm totally willing for you to customize those and change those uh, for how you will." Uh, I'm kind of the chief uh, builder at the company, 
but I'm sure not great at uh, handling draw requests or at uh, billing procedures or keeping insurance records or any of those things. <laughs> uh, and I'm so thankful that the days of me working by myself out of my house 15 years ago and trying to figure out what I was going to do for that insurance audit are over. Uh, now <laughs> I've got people that are, are great at that, that are great planners and organizers. And so I get to focus on what I'm best at which is saying, you know, how are we going to build this house in the best way possible? Um, what are the things that are risky about this house, whether it's water, air, vapor, or thermal? How are we going to build it well? And then my people do what they're good at, which is building houses or managing people that are building houses or managing the paperwork flow or paper list flow in this case, uh, managing the builder trend process and how do we document things? How do we communicate with clients? All those things are happening through my team and don't rely on me doing that on a day-to-day -day business. Uh, you know, I've, I've been able to actually transition from uh, owning my own job to owning my own business. Uh, and that's been transformational for me. Well, I, I, you know, you broke this down so well, Matt, and I want to commend you because what you talked about, right, is you know what you're good at. You know what you're good at, Matt. You know your strong suit, your communication you know, your ability to research, um, you know, how you're managing, you know, all these different things, but you realize what you're not good at, you know, the insurance part of it, the audits, mm -hmm. you know, somebody say, and it's funny Ew. because, and yeah, and <laughs> it's funny to say that because for the longest time, I think a lot of us that are entrepreneurs or business owners, we're trying to be, you want to be involved in anything. You want to have a grasp mm -hmm. on everything. And it was funny just recently, you know, here we are, I'm trying to separate more such as you, where it's like, everyone's defined. Let's, I have some people that work well, all my people that work for AFT are just tremendous, successful, and bright and ambitious individuals. And I know what their strengths are, so I need to put them in those areas where they can be successful, right, where they're good at. And what's funny is I had a client, and he reached out, and he said, hey, Brad, you know, we're going to be paying cash for our house. I'm trying to get an idea. You know, this is a 16-month bill. That's a hillside bill. There's some complexity. Every quarter, what do I expect a percentage complete? You know, so... If, if it's 100% of the cost of the house, am I going to be paying 30% of the house in the first quarter and then 10% then 20? How does that cash flow work? So I'm prepared, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, in the past, I would have gone through, I would have, you know, gone through financials and looked at, you know, history and stuff. And instead I said, what am I doing? Like my controller, she's a rock star. I could ask her this question and she could put a report together that's way better than I can do visually. Yep you know, on a graph and she did it. She did it. It probably took her 15 minutes. So it would take me two hours. And now it's even better, more accurate. And that's where I had to learn to a little more hands off and rely on the people, empower them and let them run. Smart, Brad. That's the way to do it, man. That's how we grow a business that's going to be around for a while. And, you know, you and I are, are uh, I'm, a, I'm a couple years older than you are, but I think we face the same questions. Will my kids be interested in this business? Yeah. Uh, will I find that employee who's 10 or 15 years younger than me that wants to buy me out? Or could I turn this into a business that actually is a saleable asset in 20 plus years? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm still figuring that out. Uh, you know, I, I have two businesses. I think I mentioned this. I have my home building company and I have my video production company. I think that my video production company, as long as it's not just about me, um, could actually be a saleable asset in some amount of years or decades. Our home building companies, uh, you were smart keeping your name out of the home building company. I didn't. <laughs> I named it after me. Uh, so I'm not so sure that that will be a, a 
very valuable asset besides, you know, maybe one or two times earnings. Uh, and you know, I can, I can only name a few builder businesses and I know that have successfully sold and done well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we need to, well, we need to bring, bring hay in while the sun's shining. Yeah, absolutely. And, but there's some strategy there and I'm sure, you know, you touched on this that, yeah, there's some personal branding that you've done, Matt. And I think a lot of people don't understand that the personal branding, although there's a side opportunity that you have and it's, you know, been building over time that still empowers your building firm and there's livelihoods. There's people there that you've really empowered that, you know, can be successful. And so you're almost building two enterprises, right? And most listeners look at you, Matt, and say, I want to be Matt, right? I want to have the business he has. And we get kind of man. Thank you. Yeah. And, but the thing is, it's like, it's not overnight. I mean, it's easy to look at you and say, mm-hmm. man, massive overnight success. He went on YouTube. He crushed it. He has all these viewers. And they don't realize the time that's gone in it. You know, they want the shortcut. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't see the issues you had. And I heard you on the podcast say, where, hey, I was in a recession. I was doing spec homes. And now I'm upside down. And I'm working to pay these guys back. And I'm taking loans because there's integrity there. But, you know, here I am today because of it. And you and I, it was funny. We're at the CB USA Power 30 and um, you may not remember this, and this was a couple years ago in Scottsdale, and you made the comment to me, Brad, you're like, hey, look, I, I had my own business, I don't know, 10 years at the time or so, and you're like, it really isn't until now that, you know, we're making money and we're being efficient and, and building this. And I can relate because it's like, sure. we've been building this, but it's finally at a point where we have a brand, it's taken time, but we've got there. And so speak to mm-hmm. just the time that goes in behind the scenes that you're just, you know, reaping, you know, you know before you can... You have to sew before you reprise. So you're out there sewing and, and, and preparing. Yeah, it's. I mean, building is not a get-rich-quick scheme. That's for sure. It's probably a. It's probably a lose-quick scheme, not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's a long game. You have to have integrity. It takes years to get a reputation and one bad job to lose it all. Yes. Uh, so you know, it's it's a hard business to make money in. To be honest, uh, you know, if you're in another industry, stay out of home building. <laughs> uh, but but if you're listening to this and you're a builder, you're working for someone else, you're interested in doing your own thing. It's not too many other businesses that you could go from, uh, you know, working for someone else and learning the business to all of a sudden uh, opening your own company and a few years later making a good living. Know that it's going to take a few years. And for me, you know, I blew through my savings straight into a, a spec house that I lost uh, three hundred thousand dollars on pretty quickly. Uh, thank God my wife worked and we were able to stay uh, with my nose above, above water this far. Uh, <laughs> I'm gesturing with my hand just below my nose, but, uh, but now I'm in a, and I'm in a stage that I'm starting to see that payoff and it's huge. You know, I've been, I've been in business 15 years now, Brad, prior to that, I worked for other people for 10 years. Uh, I've been on YouTube for 12 years. Uh, YouTube took me probably seven or eight or so years before I saw traction and was actually making money on it. I would say it was successful and very helpful uh, after I'd done it for a year or two. Um, whereas I think your podcast being as far as you've gone after only six months, that's crazy. So that's fantastic. But uh, you got to put yourself out there. You got to market yourself. You need to take some risks. And if you're watching this and you're a bill or listening to this and you're a builder, you're probably not risk averse. You know, you're you're used to some risks. Uh, you're probably also used to working hard. 
And that's what this business is all about. It's working hard, having a reputation for working hard and giving it your best. Uh, and it's one of the few industries where you can really own your own business and make a big difference in a marketplace, uh, despite whatever gorillas are already in that marketplace, uh, because there is so much uh, business from the $10,000 deck, the $30,000 bath remodel, the $100,000 kitchen remodel. We've, we've all done those up to the you know, $5 million houses. Uh, so, you know, get in there, work hard, plug at it, do a great job, no matter what the job is, no matter what the profit margin is, and you will get more business in this industry. So let me ask you this, Matt, it's interesting because hearing that, I mean, it, it gives me some comfort. It's funny, you know, as you mentioned, I've, I've started YouTube and it's just another way to hit a different demographic and put content out there, but I've hit this wall, right? I've, you know, you did it for, you know, 12 years, right? I mean, you've done it for eight years before it took off. And it's that hard work, but you have to continue forward. And I think a lot of people are discouraged. You know, they don't see it take off on LinkedIn or Instagram or Pinterest or whatever it may be. But I guess my question for you is, Matt, is the the one question is with social media, people say, I don't have time, right? I don't have time for this. And but yet here's Matt, you know, you're making time, you're making this a priority because you can see the advantage of the branding. But how, you know, one thing that I will say to you that that's really impressive is you're a thought leader in the industry so you give a lot of time you made time for me today you know anytime i've reached out in the past with a question you're quick to text me and respond and i know i'm not the only one asking for matt and you're getting dms so how has being a thought leader or that reciprocity or willingness to help others throughout the industry i mean how does that benefit you and how does social media how do you make time for that I mean, ultimately, that's the key, I think, to my success on YouTube is that, uh, and social media in general, is that I wasn't uh, just putting uh, advertising for Reisinger Homes out. I've changed my building company name to Reisinger Build these days, but uh, you know, I wasn't just putting pretty pictures out there and putting an ad out and hoping people would watch it. I was giving information that people would find helpful in their business. And uh, when you are helpful and beneficial to people, they're going to want more. And as long as you're helpful, have something to say that's educational and whatever you're good at, or, or even if you're not good at it, like I wasn't, I just was learning and sharing what I learned. Uh, and you do that regularly, you will find success. Uh, and lastly, I would say, Brad, um, I think one, one reason why you've been really successful is you have your primary uh, golden goose, which is Instagram. And you always feed that goose, no matter what, uh, pick one and stay with that until you found success. Then you can go to another medium. Uh, so YouTube has always been my golden goose. And I, no matter what on Tuesday and Friday, I have a video. I haven't missed a video in four or five years on a Tuesday and a Friday. Occasionally I post at 11 PM, but I'm always there on Tuesday and Friday putting something out that's, I think, of value. And if you continue to do that on a particular platform, whatever it is, uh, you will find success if you're able to help people. No, I love you said that consistency. I mean, I've seen, you know, from your side, yeah, YouTube's your golden goose. You're going to hit every Tuesday and Friday. You know, Instagram's been a big lead generator and a lot of success for us. So, that's been a priority. And LinkedIn too. LinkedIn is something that's been really good for mm. us. But, but you know, some of the designers listening, they're looking like, well, Instagram's great for a lot of designers, but Pinterest or house. And so depending on your scope of work or entrepreneur business, you know, those things help. So how do you get comfortable on video? I mean, that's the biggest thing, Matt, because a lot of people say, well, I'm, 
I can't get comfortable. I can't hold a camera up. I can't do this. So, but yeah, you're a pro, you know, you don't get nervous. I don't look at Matt when you're speaking publicly and I'm sure a lot of that's practice, but how do you refine that skill to be comfortable in front of the camera? Man, it's really just frequency, Brad. I mean, I'm like 800 some videos now on YouTube. Uh, and you go back and watch my earlier ones. Not only do I look like a kid, uh, but I stumble. I didn't edit those videos. Uh, I mean, what's the beauty of not going live is that you can edit YouTube, right? My wife started a YouTube channel in February, uh, and it was painful for me. I hope she's not watching this or listening to this. It was painful for me to watch because, uh, or to, I was, I'm recording her still today. I'm her cameraman. Uh, cause she stumbles through stuff. She's looking at papers, but you know what? She edits it. She jump cuts between when she makes a mistake. She says it wrong. She just stops herself, says it again. And when the finished product's out there, yeah, there's a bunch of jump cuts, but it's pretty darn good. Uh, and to her credit, you know, she started in February. She's a doctor. Uh, started talking about COVID on video two. She's at 42,000 subs on YouTube since February. Wow. I know, isn't that crazy? Because she's been really good Can about Can she come tutor me? Because I've been putting it out there. Uh, like a tenth of that, you know? One to two hundred. videos every week. Uh, and, you know, I did put her on my channel once or twice, but I'm, I haven't done it since. So it's all her. Uh, and she, despite mean comments or people who solicit her mar for marriage proposals or whatever <laughs> else is out there for females, I'm sorry, we're it such is, idiots as men. It uh, is. For the women watching, uh, she keeps at it and it doesn't bother her or it doesn't stop her. It does bother her. It doesn't stop her. She keeps doing it. And uh, I keep telling her, you know, you're going to be dwarfing my channel before long, honey. And how cool is that? It's great. It'd be a whole that's, second household income for us. Well, that's amazing. And, and it's funny, you, you know, just to conclude this because, I mean, you've been amazing, Matt. I know you're busy. I appreciate the time you've given us today. And I know that, you know, our listeners will find a ton of value from everything you shared. So, you know, what's upcoming? What's next? What are you excited about? Man, um, I think for me, Brad, the, the exciting things are uh, continuing to work on my website, buildshownetwork.com. We're working on a 2.0. My 1.0 version, it's funny, you don't realize how expensive websites are, especially when you serve up videos. Holy cow, no wonder people just upload to YouTube. It's so much <laughs> easier and cheaper. Uh, but we've got a, you know, I've got this website that I've coined Netflix for Builders. Uh, we have six new videos a week going up on that website um, with uh, five different contributors. I'm hoping to up that contributor count. Uh, you know, I'd like to see a dozen new videos a week there. Uh, I'd like to branch out into other parts of the building process, not just architecture and building, but interior design, um, plumbing, trades, carpentry, electrical. Uh, I'd really like to be um, a website that's a resource for people interested in building or designing a well-built, uh, well-designed, thoughtful house uh, and do it in a way that's strictly video-based. Uh, I think that's unique in the marketplace. There's a lot of great people out there from the, the people at this old house that I've watched for 20 plus years or more like 30 plus years of my life uh, to my friends at Fine Home Building and Journal Like Construction. They put out amazing content. Um, but we are in a very video centric world. Um, and there's, uh, it's interesting how podcasts have been around for a while. And yet I feel like podcasts are making a huge resurgence these days too. So you're in a great spot for that. Um, but video for me is always where I've been. Uh, and I feel like the next generation of builders 
architects, designers, people building houses. They're they're very video focused. So that's that's really the next forefront for me, Brad. Uh, and I'm I'm working on uh, more than more in the long term than the short term. Uh, a kind of building 101 series uh, where I'll be able to help teach people uh, the process of building a well-built house start to finish. Uh, I think I'm always trying to think about what would Matt Reisinger five or 10 years ago need to know today or what didn't I know now or then that would have been helpful. And uh, and that's that's one that people uh, keep pinging me back on. So we'll see what happens. But Brad, I really appreciate you having me today, brother. Yeah, thanks, Matt. And again, I mean, just to conclude this, I mean, you talk about evolution as a company, you need to evolve. And here you go that you're successful on YouTube. Now you have your own website that's Netflix for Builders, you know, the buildshownetwork.com, which anyone listening will put that here in the closing because, you know, there's so much information. And, and again, there's value there. You're giving out information, Matt. You're helping anyone else. And, and there's value there. And now you're branching into the design part of it. And, and, and I love to see you know how you can involve this and so what other social media handles do you have where else can our listeners find you yeah so uh buildshownetwork.com is the website uh youtube.com backslash matt reisinger is my youtube channel um, which also feeds onto build show network uh and then my other big channel is instagram and that's where i that's where i am on for you know at least 20 30 minutes every day uh it's fun because i enjoy connecting with builder friends like you brad that are states away and yet i feel like sometimes i know exactly what you did that day and <laughs> what you're up to with your family or job sites it's a it's a really fun very visual resource um, that has both good connections and good information uh and i think that was that was something that as a younger builder i had to physically take another builder to launch to get that information uh or visit them at a job site and today we just grab our phones and see what other people are doing here on their job sites uh, a block away or five states away. That's pretty cool. That's that's uh, that's a big connector in our in our uh, generation. Well, it's a huge connector. Matt, I, again, thanks so much for your time. Can't thank you enough. Good seeing you, brother. Thanks again for having me, Brad. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Take care. Again, a big thanks to Matt for joining us on the podcast today. And as a recap, you know, he mentioned just the importance of communication you know as we learn our business and it doesn't matter what business that is you know as we understand systems and protocol and have a a operations agreement there and how we communicate with our clients throughout that sales process right we understand that marketing the intent there is to bring people to our business sales is the execution of that marketing as we now have projects in the pipeline or we're selling our product whatever that may be by doing so by having systems in place by having people understand the protocol and how to follow those processes we can expedite that and efficiently efficiently uh, be a successful company and one thing matt talked about is you know especially in the beginning whether it be cost plus whether it be gmp how do we associate risk how do we manage that for us and our client how do we protect everyone involved you know and here are some processes that he's found to be beneficial even on a cost plus that he does not bid out certain key aspects of the project and he lets the customer know why And it's so important that we understand our value, that we understand how we present ourselves to the customer. And then again, the importance of building a personality, building a database there, building, uh, utilizing social media as a connector to build our network. So big thanks to Matt. Again, for those of you that were listening, we're going to have him tagged in our social media. But go to the www.thebuildshownetwork.com. You can see him there, his YouTube channel. Look up Matt uh, Reisinger there. You can also follow him. on Instagram and all the other social media platforms, including LinkedIn.